This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Beyond being a tool of communication, language is also an important fabric of personal identity, cultural identity and national identity. Language encapsulates history, values and diverse expressions that could bind communities in a collective identity. So what's that mean for a country with multiple languages, ethnicities and religions? How can language serve as a unifying force? I'm Dashran Johan and this is Today I Learned. On the show with me today is Associate Professor Dr. Sarinda Palkor. She's the Dean at the Faculty of Languages and Linguistics at University of Malaya. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Sarinda. Thank you. Thank you, Dashran. A pleasure to be back on the show again. So when you were on the show previously, we talked about how language um, intersects with identity as a whole. But today we want to zoom in on national identity. Can mm-hmm. you provide an overview of how language and national identity is interconnected? Language and identity is, um, you know, the connection is very intricate. And it's also very multifaceted. It's not just one link there. There are many links. And shaping the and expressing both shaping and expressing the identity of a nation is very closely linked to language. In fact, language, it's not just for communication. It carries our culture. It carries the history, the values that we have, and the collective memories of the people in the country. So when we talk about cultural heritage, most people think language and culture are are connected. But yes, cultural heritage is part of your national identity. So when you want to transmit your cultural values, your traditions, you know, it encapsulates your cultural heritage. It's very much a part of your national identity and language does that. It connects that. Then, of course, I talked about the collective memory, right? Right. Um, that's your shared history. Mm. I mean, you, we share historical experiences. And language is that marker of that shared historical experiences. And 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 it comes through uh, people's memories, through textbooks, through history books, through narratives, through all kinds of things. Whether it's in the past, it's in the pre- present, or whether we're pointing towards the future. So it's a common historical background, and it fosters a sense of belonging, a sense of shared identity. So this leads on to that whole idea of unity, mm-hmm. solidarity, you know. Um, amongst a group of people that share a national identity. So we understand each other. There's a sense of community amongst the individuals who speak that shared language and have that shared historical background and shared memories. Recently, a woman went viral on social media after sharing her experience renewing her daughter's passport and being ridiculed by the immigration staff member for not being able to speak Bahasa Malaysia. Now. Following that, the Home Minister, Dato Sri Saifuddin Nasution, defended the staff member, saying that it was a way to confirm citizenship and that um, once uh, one has an obligation um, to master Bahasa Malaysia and that cannot be compromised. What are your thoughts on this saga? I have two very distinctive ways of thinking about this, mm. right? One is that um, at the outright, right, I mean, you know, just outright, I don't think any particular staff member should be policing uh, somebody's citizenship. We already have our identity cards. Mm-hmm. We have that. That is already an expression and it's it's a legitimizes our citizenship. 
All right, that's one. But however, however, seeing it from the point of view, from the country's perspective, from the constitution's perspective, right. we have a moral obligation to be able to speak Bahasa Malayu well. It is enshrined in our constitution. Now, we should be because it is a marker of our national identity. For me, I mean, you know, it's uh, that marker of national identity, that choice of language is part of our nation building. It is the official language. It is the key element in fostering unity and identity. So when the Home Minister says that, you know, the proficiency is linked to citizenship, well, it, it does reflect that perspective that, you know, language and national belonging go together. All right. So very often in many countries, you do find language requirements are used to define and assert citizenship, which is exactly what's happening here. Right. right? So this is at a higher level. I do feel that every citizen um, does have a moral and uh, uh, not just a moral, but, you know, the social and a citizenship right to, to be able to speak the language. In various forms. However, I also feel that other people shouldn't be policing it. Right. I think this is so interesting the way you broke it down into these two aspects, right? Um, and I also want to just say that um, just for the record, the, the Home Minister did later come on and say there is no requirement when it comes to passport renewal specifically yes. um, of language mastery, right? So, but what I'm very curious about, right, this saga turned into a massive polarizing debate on social media, which like you said, I think the initial criticisms towards uh, what happened, the viral video, was that why is a um, Im immigration officer um, sort of policing someone's language skills, mm. right? Um, as an immigration officer, shouldn't, uh, or just immigration in general, or, you know, all these different officers, shouldn't you create an, an inclusive, as inclusive of an environment as possible so that people of all, um, you know, languages, ethnicity, so on and so forth, um, and this shouldn't just be limited to language, right? Even goes beyond like to OKU and all sorts of things, gender, um, to be as inclusive as possible, to ease the process as possible. But what I'm very curious is, instead of the debate being specifically just about that, it turned into this massive um, polarized discussion on social media about race, nationalism, um, you know, even religion was brought into it. Then this whole discussion of pendatang again was brought into it. Why do discussions about language in Malaysia tend to snowball into this? I think it's also because of our very structures. I, uh, you know, if I can be very frank, mm -hmm. uh, because our very structures, while we talk about national unity, national identity, we still have demarcations of race and religion. Right. We still define people according to race and religion. All right. And and of course, gender and other, uh, you know, markers of identity um, in many other countries, they have done away with some of these things. You would not want to talk about that. You would just want to talk about your, um, say, Malaysianness rather than, you know, you being an Indian or a Chinese Malaysian. But we still hold true to a lot of these things. We still hold on to that. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, there's there's uh, diversity is is amazing. I think Malaysia is so multicultural, so multilingual. It's 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 richer for that. However, I think 
Um, social media, for me, social media always exacerbates the us versus them polemics. Mm. Always. And so when um, it's easy for people to get emotive on social media. You have a lot of keyboard warriors. You have a right. lot of people who instead of looking at things intellectually, uh, who are looking at the broader debates about inclusivity, as well as cultural preservation, as well as talking about the challenges of nation building in a diverse society, right? Right. Uh, we tend to go down to the low level of, you know, us versus them, mm. um, which I, I'm not saying that, you know, um, it's, it's a horrible thing. I'm just saying that that is, I guess, in a way, tribal loyalty, if I'm putting it too simplistically, rather than national loyalty, the tribal loyalty comes out in, in us. So we need to think about that ourselves. We need nuanced approaches. We need open dialogue to address the concerns of all the communities involved. Because in Malaysia, unlike other countries where you would say, yeah, I'm I'm British, you know, the, the British is, the Britain is pretty multicultural, but they would place themselves as British first quite often. Right. Right. Whereas in Malaysia, you're always coming with, well, I'm Malaysian Indian, I'm Malaysian Chinese, you know, I'm Malaysian, mm -hmm. Malaysian Malay. So we do have that. We, we need to be able to respect that to one extent, but also we need to have dialogues that at one point also breaks that down for us to be able to look at ourselves as Malaysian. I think that's so that interesting. I think that's really interesting, right? The way you, you broke it down, because um, I think it really encapsulates why um, these conversations about language tend to devolve into um, uh, you know, race, religion, and, and all these things compared to, let's say, in other countries. Not that these problems don't exist in other countries, but other countries, you have fewer demarcations. So you say like, you know, to be a, a German, um, you know, you just, you need to be able to speak the, the German language, but they don't, and and that's the key mark, marker, right? So I, I'm a, either I'm a German or I'm not a German, rather than I'm a German, this, that, this, that. And then on top of that, you also have a language. So I, I think that's very interesting. Um, so with that in mind, right, how in a country with multiple languages like Malaysia, um, multiple ethnicities, multiple religions, how can language serve as a unifying force? Unifying force comes through recognition um, of inclusivity and respect mm. for our linguistic diversity. Right. At the same time, always holding Bahasa Melayu's position as the national language. So it's it's kind of a very, um, it's a difficult balance to achieve. It's never going to be easy. But I do think that, you know, because we are multicultural, we are multilingual, we need to be able to ensure everyone, assure, really, assure everyone that all languages are valued. All languages are included in the national narrative. Um, while at the same time, there's official recognition and the status of Bahasa Melayu is unquestionable. You have that. But you're also valuing every other language that is there in the Malaysian environment, in the Malaysian ethos. So this should be going via symbolic gestures. You can have symbolic gestures or even practical gestures like, you know, road signs, things like that, which can be in two or three different languages. If you look in Singapore, some of their road signs, three different languages. All right. Whereas in Malaysia, we tend to only have that one language. So I think if people see that various languages are valued, 
how with Bahasa Melayu always keeping its status of the national language, I think people will be more open to being, uh, to looking at language as a force of unity in the country, as a force of solidarity. Because what, as I said earlier, we're already united in our shared memories, in our shared histories, in our shared values. We already have that. So looking for it in language is just a way to represent it and reinforce it. All right. All right, let's go for a very quick break. On the show with me today is Associate Professor Dr. Surinder Palkor. She's a Dean at the Faculty of Languages and Linguistics of University of Malaya. We will continue our conversation after these messages. Keep it here on Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Today I Learned. I'm Dashran Johan and on the show with me today is Associate Professor Dr. Zarinda Palkor, Dean at the Faculty of Languages and Linguistics of University of Malaya. So, Dr. Surin, um, you know, earlier you brought up something very important is that we need to um, ensure that Basa Malaysia, you know, that, that we have a moral responsibility um, as Malaysians to learn Basa Malaysia because that is our language, um, our unifying language as Malaysians. But at the same time, we need to ensure that all other languages of ethnic minority communities are valued and included. Um, so how can a multilingual society ensure this, that all languages are valued and included in the national narrative? I think the first thing you would need to do is engage community engagement. Mm -hmm. It has to be community engagement. It has to be all the different ethnicities, the different communities that speak the different uh, languages should be engaged in how do we uh, contribute to the national narrative while, you know, um, uh, talking about inclusivity, diversity, but also talking about the, the importance of Basam Layu, right? Mm. So the very first thing I think it has to be an inclusive policy that looks at community engagement. And this not, right now we tend to focus on, on languages more as assimilation, but we can have so many languages coexisting at the same time. It's right. not a question of assimilation. It's a question of inclusivity. So the policies that we have, they need to be inclusive rather than assim uh, you know, assimilative. And uh, linguistic minorities' rights should be acknowledged, should be there, and they should be promoted. Um, at the same time, there must be public spaces for multilingual expression. So there must be uh, different spaces. Look at us. I mean, we are using, uh, you know, uh, the, the public space of, of the podcasting uh, studio, radio. Right. Um, but our language almost often than not is English. Right. Right. How often do we give um, value to all the minority languages or even Bahasa Melayu? Mm -hmm. we, we need to look at our own workplace practices. We need to look at our own uh, community practices. But it always comes back to national narratives that embrace diversity. I think they celebrate the diversity. I think the key word is celebrating. Mm -hmm. Celebrating diversity, I think, and the contribution of all these linguistics and cultural communities. The shared values that cut across all communities. That community engagement is incredibly important, I feel. So I have two follow-up questions to that. On the on the one hand, um, what do you how do you think Malaysia is performing? Um, with that regard on the ground, right, in reality, because we talk about a lot of things that should be done. Uh, many will argue 
that things are being done that you know we are one of the countries with um, you know we still have vernacular schools um you know, look I'm um, Chinese schools Tamil schools these languages are still um preserved in, in even in a formal level um compared to many other countries where they may just have one stream of schools mm-hmm. right so people will will point to that and even when we look at our films we do have Malaysian yes. Tamil films Malaysian yes. Chinese films things, things like that but on so on the, on that front, um, are we doing enough? Are we doing well? Uh, well, in in terms of um, you know, valuing um, uh, minor ethnic minority languages. But on the on the second level, I do also want to ask, why is it that when we talk about languages in Malaysia, it is often just um, Bahasa Malaysia, um, vis-a-vis Tamil and Mandarin, or, mm. or vice versa, Mandarin and Tamil. Um, you know, uh, in relation to Basa Malaysia, where do we fall on the on the on the ladder, so to speak? Are, are we being inclusive enough? But we don't often talk about East Malaysian languages because there's so many languages in East Malaysia, and I don't think you know most people are even uh, you know able to tell what those languages are. Um, forget about actually being able to speak it or or you know practice it. So why? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, to take your very first question first, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I do think we're doing a lot. We're doing a lot to celebrate our diversity. However, I do think we can do more. Mm. And this should come from within the community itself. And I do find a lot of creativity within the community that does uh, uh, you know, allow for public uh, expressions of our linguistic diversity, as you said, there's lots of interesting Malay films that are coming out. A lot of interesting Tamil films, Tamil songs, Tamil rap. You know, mm-hmm. um, at the same time, Mandarin is looked at now as in globally, not just in Malaysia, but it's also looked at as 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 uh, heading towards the status of a lingua franca because it holds a lot of economic power, right? right. So it's. I think it's a question of recognizing um, that some languages do give us economic power. Some languages do provide us with national uh, solidarity. Some languages celebrate the diversity that we are in. We don't need to pigeonhole them. Mm-hmm. We need to celebrate them all inclusively in different ways. I do think we're doing a lot. And I, in that respect, I think we're doing better than many other countries. Right. However, these things are organic. They will develop and they will uh, move forward. Um, I would love to have, you know, um, official la- uh, language policies that also focus on, on everything else, all the other languages, in terms of creativity, in terms of developing the diversity. Languages evolve, and the Malaysian languages evolve rapidly, you know, because of our own uh, cultural mixes with each other. So I would love for, for you know, um, a nationwide study to see what is similar in all these study in these languages that we can put forward as our national a marker of our national uh, uh, narrative of our national identity. East Malaysia, I my simple answer is we don't speak enough about. Mm-hmm. It is my big bugbear here. I think mm-hmm. we have so marginalized the East Malaysian languages. And this is due to the fact that, okay, number one, our demographics, all right? Right. East Malaysia is not as populated as peninsula. Historically, centralization of power is in the peninsula, all right? Mm -hmm. So because of these things, and then of course there's economic disparities that come up there. Um, Because of these things, we don't speak enough about the East Malaysian languages when we should, because East Malaysia, I don't even understand why we're saying East Malaysia, we're Malaysia. (laughs) 
you know. Right. Uh, we're Malaysia. And Karazan, Duson, Murun, all these languages should be celebrated as an as an intrinsic part of our national identity. Absolutely. They are not just English, Malay, Tamil, and Chinese. There is also so many other languages. The Chetty language in Malacca, the Kristang, you know, the in in, in Portuguese uh, Malacca, uh, Malacca language. That's mm-hmm. in, in here itself. But you also have indigenous communities in 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 uh, Peninsular Malaysia, the Seletar, the Mahmeri, the the Jakun, the mm-hmm. East Malaysian uh, uh, communities as well. These languages should be offered in Malaysian schools, not just Tamil and Mandarin alongside there should be all these languages should be offered every malaysian should know a third language and if that third language includes indigenous languages all the better all the better dr serene there is a tendency by some non-malays um in in malaysia to view Basa Malaysia as an unimportant, uncool language. And I tend to see this especially, um, at least just based on my anecdotal uh, personal experience, um, among maybe uh, middle class and above people, especially those who primarily speak English. Um, what are your thoughts on this um, phenomenon, this, this sort of distancing oneself away from Basa Malaysia because it is unimportant, uncool. Um, some people even frame it as a you know poor person's language. How do we change this perception? And, and what are your thoughts on this perception in the first place? Okay, let me say completely irrevocably, I think Bahasa Melayu is a very cool language. Mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing language. I fall back to using words from Bahasa Melayu, which I cannot find the equivalent in English or in Punjabi right. or in, in Spanish. These are words that like manja, you know, oh my God, my cat is being so manja today. <laughs> I cannot find that equivalent anyway. I think it's such a cool language. Right. And that coolness comes from our way of thinking. And our way of thinking as Malaysians is, is as I said, a cultural mix, right? Mm-hmm. What happens is when people um, privilege, and very often we privilege English, it's because we see English as economic power, as the global language, as the language that will bring us employment, it'll bring us money, it'll bring us, you know, um, a better way of life. Right. Upward mobility. I think this is what's coming in there. There's a certain sense of classicism that's working where language is concerned. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, I mean, while English has its its uh, its advantages, I think English shouldn't have that huge cultural economic hegemony over the world either. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't. Um, and we we should be aware that you know from where we come from, um, the Bahasmalayu. It's a very creative language. It's such a beautiful language. And, you know, I I, I once, um, I, I often speak a lot to taxi drivers and I'm always amazed at a lot of them who speak Bahasa Melayu so beautifully, far more beautifully than I would speak it, you know. And because my Bahasa Melayu is very, um, what's the word for it? Um, it's academic to one end, extent right. with people, but then on the other end, you know, you you have a lot of people who use Bahasa Melayu very creatively. How right. else are you going to find people saying, I tengah healing, you know. <laughs> they have taken, you know... English and they put it together with Bahasa Malayu, but the cultural values of healing, of of wanting to take a break of our mm-hmm. laid back society, everything is encapsulated there. Right. So I think the issue here is that we are privileging another language for being an economic power, not seeing that that value is also there in Bahasa Malayu. 
Bahasa Melayu can bring employability in this country. Bahasa Melayu is a language spoken in the Nusantara. You can speak it easily in Brunei, in, in uh, uh, Indonesia. You would probably understand a lot of Tagalog and Filipino. Right. If you understood Bahasa Melayu. So there is a lot of value in it. It's just that people don't see that value. And people should actually um, stop privileging one language over another. Do you also think there is a tendency for people to look at language solely as a sort of utilitarian, solely from that that lens? And what I mean by this is it, it goes to what you were saying, right? Um, people have uh, privileged English because they look at it. Um, I mean, obviously there is that that whole global media globalization, but you know, there's this, you know, okay, it's it's economically useful to learn English, so I learn English. It is economically useful to learn um, Mandarin, so I'm going to learn Mandarin. And and I think there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But do you think that people have this tendency to put languages on a ladder based on its economic um, utility, so to speak? So do you think we need to change our mindset to Definitely. see language first and foremost as as you know, a, a expression of culture, an expression of unity? So it doesn't matter if you know an indigenous language um, of East Malaysia or even Basa Malaysia as general, about or if you want to go niche like indigenous language in, in East Mal- one one ethnic community in East Malaysia, it doesn't matter if it doesn't have this very important economic um, um, sort of utility in that sense, but it should still um, learn it, um, appreciate it, celebrate it because it is part of our culture and simply. And because it is part of our culture and, and that's important enough. What what are your thoughts on that? I absolutely agree with you, Dashran. I think people do tend to look at language in a very, very functional, utilitarian right. manner. And uh, however, language is beyond that. Language is 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 it represents culture, it represents literature, it represents art. And these are the things in our current education which are backgrounded anyway. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that should not be backgrounded because literature, poetry, art, these are expressions of language, our thoughts, our feelings, you know, and they come out through language. And they also shape our nation's identity. They shape our cultural identity. They shape our nation's identity. They give us a very unique uh, expression of being Malaysian. And Malaysians are unique. We are unique. So we need to actually... Yes, recognize the utilitarianism of the importance of certain languages, mm-hmm. but recognize also that if you want to hold on to your heritage, your shared memories, your shared values as well, then you will need to privilege every other language. Because the, in the story of the Batik language, there are stories of their historical background, of their ways of being, of you know the way they look at nature. If you go to Taman Nagara, you'd be amazed at how the Batek look at nature and they'll tell you, this plant is for this, this plant is for that. I will be sick and I'll go pick up a Panadol, but they'll go pick up a plant. Right. You know, And the plant is so connected. The names of the plant are so connected to the language. Right. The way of life is connected to that language. We lose all of this. This is why I always say we cannot lose this because this is who we are. It is it is beyond economic value. It is beyond that utilitarian value. It is who we are. It um, you know it is the blood and soul of which our thoughts grow, our culture grows. Um, we should be uh, looking at that and celebrating that as well. 
So throughout this conversation, um, Dr. Serena, I think you've done a very good job and you have stressed um, repeatedly on the importance of um, Malaysians, you know, cherishing Basa Malaysia um, as it is enshrined in our in the constitution. It's, it's our language, a language that belongs to all Malaysians and, and we should cherish it. But on the flip side, how do we discuss the importance of Basa Malaysia? How do we strengthen Basa Malaysia as our national language inclusively and democratically without sliding into ethno-nationalism narratives as it so often does here in Malaysia? And I think this is why sometimes um, and I, I don't think that like like we talked about, you know, there is a tendency by by certain people to just say, you know, BM is uncool and, and things like that. And those people, I, I think we, we just have to, it's just wrong to think that way. It is classes. But on the same time, there is also this insecurity by some other people who maybe they don't feel, you know, uh, that BM is being, the, the way we talk about Basa Malaysia in this country isn't inclusive. And it often comes as a, you know, ethno-nationalist type of approach, um, ethno-religious type of approach. So how do we discuss Basa Malaysia without going down those lines? Hmm. I think those are red flags. We should mm -hmm. not be using those red flags. We should be avoiding those red flags. The mm -hmm. ethno-nationalist discourse is something that we should be avoiding. But what you you yourself use the word here. You use the word cherish. Mm -hmm. It's cherishing the language, cherishing Bahasa Melayu as an expression of our cultural and national identity. If we cherish it, then automatically we give it importance. Then automatically, it's not just the language of official documentation. It is a language that is part of our, our ethos of being. Right. Alongside Tamil, alongside Chinese, alongside, you know, uh, Saleta, Mahmerid, Karazan, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, it's alongside Bidayu, alongside all of these languages, alongside the Moyang stories and things like that, that you will learn from and you will grow from. So cherishing that. However, at the same time, I think what we can do is we can also showcase certain things that, you know, cultural exchange programs, it, 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 it facilitates interactions between communities. So we need to break down the stereotypes and understanding. So the cultural aspects tied to Bahasa Melayu are, are incredibly important. Um, we also need to look at the economic opportunities. We need to showcase those that Bahasa Melayu also offers economic opportunities. Right now, we tend to not look at it that way. So rather than going down the ethno-nationalistic uh, pathway, look at other pathways. Look at pathways that talk about economic opportunities, that growing the, the national narrative, talking about inclusivity, talking about celebration and cherishing all languages. I think you will find that Bahasa Melayu will retain its status. People will be more invested in it while also cherishing other languages. So I think we touched on globalization a little bit earlier, but how does globalization influence the relationship between language and national identity? Because we do live in a globalized society. Um, it is a Western hegemony right now, but that globalization, um, it, it's beyond just the Western hegemony. For example, we've seen how the Korean language has become so popular in many parts of the world because of the rise of um, K-pop and, and things like that. So I'm wondering, how does globalization influence relationship between language and also how we see national identity? I think there are two things here, all mm -hmm. right? Um, 
where national identity is concerned, I think, I mean, I've always stressed diversity. I think what globalization does is it emphasizes that diversity that is there on the world stage, mm. right? Which is why, uh, you know, that that diversity, we, we allow that recognition and that celebration of the Korean language because the K-wave came over to our shores mm-hmm. and we found that we actually enjoy the K-wave, right? <laughs> and right. Um, what's happening here is a cultural exchange, the platforms where cultures and languages connect, they are shared, they are appreciated worldwide. Globalization allows that. Globalization allows that. So if the K-wave can come here, I don't see why the Bahasa Malayu wave can't go elsewhere. Right. right? So that is something we should be aiming for. We should be aiming for. I mean, this, this, the uh, we talk about the Chinese, the Mandarin, uh, you know, um, economic value uh, because of China. But you know, do, do you know how many how many interesting cultural exchange programs that we can actually look at when it comes to that? The mm-hmm. sea drama. There's lots of interesting things going on in there. You know, J Wave is also there. You know, and um, and in my own faculty, we offer at least 16 different languages. And the students who do that, those languages come out of those languages saying, oh, wow, I see a different way of being. I see a different way of life. And I'm no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing multiple facets to life. So right. that's what globalization allows us to do. It allows us to see things from another perspective. It allows us to see things and celebrate those other perspectives. So yes, I think it's, it's a great thing. It, it, Increased cultural exchanges are good, very important, because we can appreciate them worldwide. And it's a more interconnected world. I mean, you know, you can have people who don't even speak uh, German in Germany, and then suddenly, because of the K-wave, they can say a few words in Korean to right. each other. It's it's amazing. I think it's just so amazing, the, the, the linguistic diversity. Absolutely. And it is amazing, but I do wonder... Um, how do we avoid certain pitfalls that may come with it? Because people often talk about, see, I wasn't, I didn't grow up in the 70s and 80s and all of yeah. that. I was only born in the 90s. But people do talk about how, you know, in the 70s, um, because you you didn't have this, this huge, um, let's say, influx of languages um, coming from all um, parts of the world, and maybe you didn't have this exposure through media, um, your your pop culture and all of that from all parts of the world. So what, let's say in Malaysia, people say that, you know, there was this um, a, appreciation for P. Ramli movies um, that, you know, people like, you know, there was the Alley Cats and all of that. It's all very multiracial, um, but everybody spoke in Bahasa Malaysia. They, they sang in Bahasa Malaysia um, because it was seen as like, this is our language. But do you think there is a tendency or, or uh, like one of the pitfalls of globalization is that now that we are exposed to so many things and let's say someone grows up in an English speaking family and then on top of that, they are watching, uh, you know, uh, a shows from Korea, for example, again, nothing wrong with that, but and then they are watching um, shows from China and then they are watching, um, you know, the people love Fr- uh, French and, and Spanish and all of these things. So what you end up have what ends up happening because unfortunately most people are not going to learn five languages, seven languages, eight languages. A language like Basa Malaysia keeps being pushed um, further down the ladder. Like you know, I'm okay. I'm an English speaking family, so I learn English, and then on top of that, I want to learn Spanish, um, and then I I love K-pop, so I'm going to learn Korean, and then Basa Malaysia doesn't become your your second language. Even it may become your fifth language, your sixth language. How do we avoid that pitfall? 
I think the language education policy is pretty clear on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter which school you go to, Bahasa Melayu is a language you must learn. Mm-hmm. It must be something you learn, right? Um, ha- however, I think us being Malaysian, we we tend to always think of Bahasa Melayu as uh, Bahasa Malaysia as um, oh, it's a language. We have to learn that language, right? But we forget how much it's part and parcel of our lives. Mm. How much. We how many times we use Malay words without even realizing we code switch all the time. Mm-hmm. We may not be speaking in it formally academically, but my God, we're using the language all the time. We don't realize that. You go to another country. How do you know there's a Malaysian walking past you? Right, absolutely. You know, the moment you hear, hear you know, language, someone speaking yeah. even English, and the, the moment you hear the law, and where's that law coming from? It's mm-hmm. coming from Bahasa Melayu, mm-hmm. right? And people don't seem to realize that that you know our Every spoken expression of ours is already uh, intricately connected to Bahasa Melayu. So no matter how much you want to say, you want to push it down the ladder, uh, you know, I'm learning Korean, I'm learning Spanish, I'm learning this, I'm learning that. You can learn all the languages you want. But Bahasa Melayu is already in our blood. Before we wrap this conversation up, what practical steps can um, the current government, future governments take to balance the need for national unity um, with the recognition of linguistic and cultural diversity. Just uh, some closing thoughts from you, Dr. Sri. The current government or future governments need to look at um, cultural understanding. You know, it's it's one thing to have rhetoric that says Bahasa Melayu is the national language. You need to make people understand why. Mm. Why is it important? All right. And what value does it provide for everybody? But at the same time, have symbolic interaction, symbolic uh, significance given to other languages that assure people that all languages are also valued alongside it. So, um, you know, language policies that respect this diversity, whether it's through the arts, whether it's through through uh, music, entertainment, or as I said, the linguistic representations are represented on road signs even, or or Mm -hmm. simple places, in documentation, all right? If you've got a pamphlet, why not in three languages or four languages or five languages? I mean, Mm -hmm. we've got the space for it, you know? Um, A lot is being made of these languages, but not enough is also being made of Malaysian Sign Language. That is another language that we should be emphasizing. I think Malaysians do have the moral obligation to learn Malaysian Sign Language because of the number of people who are differently able. So it is. It, these are languages that we should be bringing on board. And so there must be a concerted effort from all sides, the government, but also from the communities themselves to make sure that these language resources are actually accessible. Everyone do have uh, can have access to it and everyone engages through the, uh, with each other through these resources. Thank you so much for joining me again. You're most welcome. Thank you. That was Associate Professor Dr. Sarinda Palkor, Dean at the Faculty of Languages and Linguistics at University of Malaya. If you missed any part of this conversation, you can also check us out on podcasts. We are available on the BFM app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Darshan Johan, and this has been Today I Learned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.